I'm Brent Moore with Humphreys Moore Ranch in Box Elder, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Jump on in with me. Buckle up tight. We're taking a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA is proposing to allow more sheep and goat imports into the U.S., but the American sheep and goat industry has a bit of a problem with that. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. No rain and a lot of wind. Two things that are not helpful to the Texas High Plains wheat crop. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A new cotton variety for the coastal bend of Texas as farmers look to further improve yields in 2022. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A common pasture management problem faced by most Texas hay and livestock producers is weed and brush infestation. We will talk about the important factors in weed control. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Department of Agriculture last week published a final rule on the importation of sheep, goats, and other ruminants, which could have serious consequences for Texas sheep and goat producers. Texas Congressman August Fluger has introduced a bipartisan bill to require the USDA to delay implementation of the rule until its impacts on American sheep producers can be fully studied. Chase Adams with the American Sheep Industry Association says the rule removes protections against fatal diseases when the administration should be focusing on opening new export markets for American producers. This final rule is working to harmonize the U.S. guidelines with the International Organization for Animal Health. And so what it means to us is this was kind of the last hurdle in place for a couple markets that are looking to raise imports to the U.S., specifically the United Kingdom, the Republic of Ireland, as well as Mexico and Canada, some of our other potential live import nations. And so that raises some real concerns for the U.S. sheep industry. And, you know, essentially what we're looking for is just more information. Adam says changes in the international marketplace since the creation of the rule means its information is outdated. Drought conditions here in Texas continue to get worse. Extreme drought has returned to Texas. According to the Texas Water Development Board, this level of drought, which is one step below exceptional drought, has been found in Hardeman County. It is the first time we've seen extreme drought in Texas since late June. Drought expanded and intensified across the state over the past week. 55% is now under moderate or worse drought. That is up six percentage points over the past week. 
Severe drought now impacts parts of the Panhandle and the following areas of the state, northeast, west, far west, and southwest. South-central Texas, the coast, and the eastern side of the Rio Grande Valley remain drought-free. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Biden administration is calling on Congress to examine whether meat processors are engaging in anti-competitive behavior. The president says he's urging Congress to hold hearings on the concentration of power into a few hands who control the food processing side of the equation. Biden says processors have posted higher profit margins than in past years, and they're able to raise prices because they bought out smaller producers. Earlier this month, the Department of Agriculture announced a new $100 million loan guarantee program for small meat processors and distributors. The administration is also asking Congress to pass legislation increasing transparency in the cattle market. No rain and lots of wind are making it tough on the Texas High Plains wheat crop. James Hunt has an update from Amarillo. Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid says wheat in the Texas High Plains is not doing well. The dryland wheat is really going backwards fast. Some of it's turning brown. Some of it didn't even get a stand. And when you're talking about wheat being grown in non-irrigated fields, the suffering French describes is to be expected given the dry spell we're in. With a few tiny exceptions here and there, there's been pretty much a total lack of rain throughout the region for the past couple months. Using Amarillo's official measurements as an example, the National Weather Service says the last time the city got any measurable precipitation was October 12th, and that was just three hundredths of an inch for the day. Of course, when you're talking about the plight of the wheat crop and it's only December, a lot of folks will point to previous seasons where wheat rallied from a really rough start. On that possibility, French says, Wheat's an amazing crop, and it can come back if it's not dead, you know, and so what I worry about is some of this dryland wheat. I mean, there's some of it that's, I don't know, it looks pretty pretty tough. I don't know if it'll come back or not. And then there's some dryland wheat that hadn't even sprouted yet, so if we would get some moisture here and we would get it up by the end of the year or even into January, it would have potential to make something. And, you know, the irrigated, we're keeping up on it, but with prices of uh, natural gas for irrigation up and things like that, I don't know if producers will be able to water it as much as they would like. So I think we got a lot of headwinds on wheat for 2022. And speaking of headwinds, or just winds in general, they've been pretty fierce here of late, especially the terrible conditions we had on Wednesday. Well, high winds are also bad news for wheat. Not only can the winds further dry out the crop, all that dirt blowing around can damage the plants as well. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton farmers in the coastal bend of Texas will have a new variety to try out in 2022. Tom Nicoletti tells more about it. My guest today is cotton farmer Nick Pinkston. He is from Sinton in San Patricio County, and he was one of 120 farmers that gathered in Scottsdale, Arizona recently to talk about uh, new varieties uh, that will be uh, released in 2022, Delta Pine uh, cotton variety, seed varieties. And uh, one of those that will be uh, entering your area is uh, DP2239. Uh, you tested that uh, variety. It's going to be available next year. What do you think of it? And why was it impressive to you? Well, yeah, I'm excited to see it on a larger scale next year. Hope to be able to plant it more than just a little plot, but it out yielded everything else in our plot. It looks really good. So I'm excited. Looks looks like it's going to be a good one. 
why is this a new product evaluator program where you provide feedback to um, uh, delta pine agronomists uh, on uh, on seed varieties why is this important to you as a farmer it allows us to see the latest and greatest traits and the ability to see the all the breeding technologies growing and see the yield increases and quality increases and um, it's just great I'm, I, I like doing that I like seeing all the new stuff coming helps me look ahead see what's next for the next couple of years overall what about Nick your 2021 cotton crop how did it fare uh, bales per acre quality uh, we started off really dry in 21 and then when it did rain it didn't quit raining so we ended up making a pretty decent crop. It wasn't it wasn't the best and it wasn't the worst, but it was a good crop, and we're thankful for what God blessed us with, and we're going to do it again next year. That is cotton farmer Nick Pinkston from the Coastal Bend of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A common problem faced by most Texas hay and livestock producers is weed and brush infestation. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson has some advice on controlling these problems. Weed species effectively compete with more desirable forage species for sunlight, moisture, and soil nutrients. The best weed management program is one of prevention. Even under the best of management schemes, however, some weed management will be necessary for most hay and livestock operations. There are several factors that are important when it comes to weed control. These include weed identification, sprayer calibration, timing of application, and following label directions. We cannot make the best management decisions if we don't even know what the plant is that we are trying to eradicate. Identification will determine the timing of our herbicide application along with the best herbicide to use. There are a multitude of resources available to help with identification including county extension agents, extension specialists, websites, and books. Correct identification of the target plant helps ensure the selection of the most effective herbicides as well as the most effective time of application. Once we have identified the weed, we can determine if the plant is an annual, biennial, or a perennial. Growth pattern will influence our timing to maximize control as well as reduce future populations. Identification will help determine the best time to be the most effective with given herbicides. Sprayer calibration is a critical step for a pesticide applicator and making sure the correct amount of pesticide is applied to the target site. Calibration is the process by which the amount of pesticide being applied per unit of area is determined. Strict adherence to label directions is required by law. Paying close attention to label directions will also ensure safe, effective, and economical use. Herbicide labels contain directions for proper rate and timing of application, a list of susceptible species, and information regarding cleanup and disposal use. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from Overton for Texas Ag Today. Dove season reopens on Friday, and if you bag a bird with a band, be sure to report it. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll explain why coming up on Texas Act today. And if you're having a problem with an animal, when do you pick up the phone and call the vet? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. 
guess which one hit our house. We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's an old question that probably every rancher has a different answer to. When exactly do you pick up the phone and call the vet for help? Well, let's check in with our own veterinarian, Dr. Bob Judd, to get his advice on that. An animal which is not eating may be experiencing an infection and may be in pain. If the animal is not eating at all and not passing any feces, call your veterinarian. If the animal is eating some but less than normal, it is probably safe to monitor for 24 hours assuming the animal is drinking normally. If drinking is decreased, dehydration will result and the animal system will shut down. If the animal does not have a bowel movement and the abdomen is distended, the animal is depressed, cannot rise, is having difficulty breathing, or has a fever, this is considered an emergency. In contrast, weight loss over a period of weeks is not an emergency, but you should call your vet and schedule an appointment for evaluation. Many cattlemen will suspect infection or parasites with weight loss and treat with antibiotics and deworming medications, and this can delay a correct diagnosis and correct treatment. As far as delivering a calf, I usually recommend clients call after one hour of hard labor or if they see discharge or placental membranes present. Realize it takes a while to get a hold of the vet, and it may take a while to get them to your farm. So call as soon as you feel it might be a problem. It's better to call and maybe cancel the appointment if the cow has the calf versus waiting to call. Make sure and place the cow in a small pen to save time when the vet arrives. If you try to examine the cow yourself, you must be clean and do so gently, as damaging the tissues can sometimes make it impossible for the vet to deliver the calf and surgery may be required. And lameness is also an emergency if the animal cannot bear weight on the leg at all, as a fracture may be present. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season reopens this weekend, and if you bag a bird with a band, be sure to report it. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. The second part of dove season opens across Texas on Friday, and the Texas Dove Hunters Association is reminding hunters to report any bands that they may find on doves. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the association, joins us with more. Anyone were to harvest a band on any dove, please report that band. Ours are orange. The federal government uses a silver band on white wings and morning dove. Phone numbers on the band, websites on the band. Be sure you report that number for our conservation efforts. Orange bands found on the invasive Eurasian collar doves are part of the Dove Hunters Association's annual Banded Bird Challenge. The Banded Bird Challenge is a research program that we have on Eurasian collar dove, in which we trap, band, and release Eurasian collar dove all over the state. So we can study the habitat that we release them and then the habitat in which they're found. And with that program is a marketing program to help fund it. If you're entered in the contest at bandedbirdchallenge.com and you harvest one of these birds that has a band on it, you can win some really amazing prizes from some great sponsors. 
We give away a Polaris from Hoff Power. We have some hunts at Record Buck Ranch and G2 Ranch, as well as just a, a lot of different products. In order to be eligible to win one of the prizes through the Banded Bird Challenge, you first must register. Even if a hunter hasn't registered for the challenge, he or she is still encouraged to report the orange bands as the information gathered is valuable. You can register at bandedbirdchallenge.com. That is bandedbirdchallenge.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged throughout the trading day on Thursday, but the cotton market really took off on the nearby contracts. We'll look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw the cattle market trade both sides of unchanged on Thursday. We ended up closing higher on the live cattle market, lower for feeder cattle. December live cattle up 27, ending at 135.27. The February up 47 cents, 137.05, while April live cattle were up two to close at 140.95. Feeder cattle lower January down 85 cents, 162.57. March feeders down 15 at 164.32, the April down 7, 167.27. Cash-fed cattle market still fairly light for the week. We did see some sales at 136 to 138 on a live basis this week. Up north, they sold cattle on the rail at 218 to 220. Boxed beef higher on Thursday, choice up 328, 263.54. Select up 67 cents at 248.12. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Gary Butler had his last sale of the year in Nixon. Gary, talk to us about it. Larry, it went pretty good. Uh, we had 1,209 head, 140 cows, 14 bulls. The market looked like it was steady. Some of the three and four weight 
kids bring that two dollars again. Uh, two and three way steers, dollar forty four to dollar eighty five. Heifers, dollar thirty eight to dollar sixty five. Three and four way steers, dollar forty eight to two thirteen. Heifers, dollar thirty two to dollar sixty eight. Four and five way steers, dollar forty two to a dollar ninety six. Heifers, dollar twenty two to dollar sixty one. Five and six way steers, dollar thirty three to a dollar eighty. Heifers, dollar seventeen to a dollar sixty one. Six and seven way steers, dollar twenty four to a dollar fifty. Heifers, a dollar fifteen to a dollar thirty-two. Seven and eight weight steers and bull yellow, dollar eighteen to a dollar forty. And the heifers, a dollar three to a dollar twenty-four. On the cow side, we got seventy-nine cents for the best cow. Slaughter bulls, eighty-two to ninety-four. Uh, Stock cow didn't have that many. Uh, Four sixty to eleven hundred. And we had one pair. Larry bring nine and a quarter. Now, will we sell Monday, or was this the last one? No, sir, this is the last one. <clears throat> I think everybody's shutting down pretty much uh, after this week. Uh, we're not, we thought we were going to have one, and a lot of our buyers are going to be out already, and, and we decided not to have one, Larry. Well, tell everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. You and I will speak before the Christmas holidays, but I know you want to take that opportunity. Yes, sir. We sure will, and we'll, we appreciate all the, all the buyers and, and sellers all through the years. We've we've had a pretty good year uh, considering everything, uh, and we hope to see them next year, uh, uh, January the third. All right, we appreciate you, and we will touch base with you later in the holiday. All right, neighbor, that's walking the pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs closed higher. February hogs up a dollar two eighty thirty five. The April up sixty seven cents at eighty four eighty seven. Class three milk was lower. December milk down eight cents eighteen forty nine a hundredweight. January down eighteen at nineteen sixty two. We saw a big jump on nearby cotton on Thursday. It took a lot of folks by surprise. There really weren't any big fundamental factors to move the market this higher, but perhaps the improvement in the shipping picture helped out, as well as the fact that the market had already baked in the Fed's decision to tighten their monetary policy. We closed with nearby March cotton just off of the limit. It was up 389 points, 109.68. May cotton up 356 at 107.93. New crop December cotton up 88 points, 90.59 cents. The corn market continuing to climb towards $6. March corn up 5.5 to finish at 5.91 and a quarter. September corn up 4.5, 5.63 a bushel. And the wheat market took back some of the big losses we saw on Wednesday. July Kansas City wheat up 14 and three quarters, 7.96 and a half, while July wheat was up 11 and a half, 7.68 and a half. In the energy markets, January natural gas down three, 3.77. January crude oil up a dollar three, 71.90 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 33 points at 35,893. The Nasdaq down 385, 15,180. The S&P down 43 at 4,666. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. 
Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.